Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together, and uh, I think we're going to learn something today. Turn to your neighbor and say, you might learn something today. Now look at him again and say, it's about time. Let's pray. Father, we're here with open arms, eyes, hearts. God, speak to us in a very special way. We ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Do you ever watch a video and then you look at the little comments below the video that people make? And so uh, this account that you saw is a very... um, documented account. The Russian government did not want them to share that information, but they did. And um, so I was reading some of the comments, and I think you'll find these uh, interesting. So under the bottom of the video, one person wrote, group hallucination, which calls all of them to see the same thing at exactly the same time. Yeah, right. And here's another one. It's just Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi trying to find more votes. Then someone wrote, it's the seven angels who are about to blow the seven trumpets that's going to introduce Jesus Christ coming. And this is one of my favorite. All of them were drinking the same vodka. (laughs) Well, last week we started with the verses, John chapter 8, and Jesus is talking to the Jewish leaders, and they're debating who he is. And I want to give you the line in verse 23. Jesus says, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world world. So is there another world besides the physical world that we see? And the answer is absolutely yes. There is a world beyond this world, a world that is supernatural, a spiritual realm. And we have to understand that that is the case according to the Bible. And you can't read very far in your Bible until you have supernatural encounters over and over and over again. And this is what I think it happens to some of us. We're so familiar reading it, we discount or we read over the supernatural realm of the Bible, and it is very supernatural. And if we're going to believe what God's Word says, then we must believe in the supernatural realm. Can I hear an amen? You know, angels and heavenly hosts are mentioned over and over in your Bible about 300 times. And... uh, these heavenly hosts and these angels are present before the world that we know. They were created before the universe that we exist in was created. Uh, this is actually found in Job, uh, Job book, his book, chapter 38, verses 4 through 7. Now, most of you know the, the life of Job. Job had some very difficult times. He went through some very difficult things. And I don't know if you've ever gone through something difficult uh, with God. How many of you have ever talked back to God? Y'all are so holy here. Uh, I have. God, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? You know, I don't think I should be going through this. So Job had one of those moments. And if you don't think God has any sarcasm, think again. Because God, in a very sarcastic way, answers Job, and we find it here in verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have the understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched out the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So this is what he's saying. Job 
I know you think you know better than me, and I could have used your help when I was creating everything, but this is what he said. He said, when I created your universe, I had already created a whole host of heavenly beings, angels and seraphims and cherubims, a, a heavenly host, and they were present when I created your universe, and when I spoke it into existence, they worshiped and they shouted and sang for joy at my creation. So that's what he's saying. So please understand that there are things that happen that we cannot explain. And probably with you, there's things happen that you cannot explain. I watched a film a few years ago called Miracle from Heaven. Many of you have probably watched that. Jennifer Garner is one of the stars. Martin Henderson, Kylie Rogers, Queen Latifah is in it. And it's a story about Annabelle Beam from Texas. And Annabelle has a disease. They really don't know exactly what it is, but it's a a gastrointestinal disease. It's making her stomach swell and protrude, and they cannot control it, and she's at the point where she may die. And if you uh, have seen the film, there's a time where she's playing with the family in the front yard, and she climbs a cottonwood tree. And she's very high up in the tree, and the limb that she's on begins to break, so she crawled into a hollow inside the tree, and she fell because the tree was hollow on the inside. She fell several feet upside down and got lodged in the tree. And they had to call the rescue team in to cut her out of the tree. When they rushed her to the hospital, they found out that she no longer had the disease she had before. Her stomach had come back to the place it should have been. And let me read the words the doctor said. Jesus must have been with that little girl in the tree because there's nothing wrong with her now. Isn't that amazing? Then Annabella says this to her mother. She said, Mother, an angel came to me while I was in the tree and said, Don't be afraid. They will rescue you soon. Mommy, I went to heaven in the tree, I sat on Jesus' lap, and I wanted to stay, but he said I couldn't, I needed to go back. Now, here's a 10-year-old girl telling that story. I don't know about you, but I believe the story. Because there's things that happen, and they've probably happened to everybody here that you absolutely cannot explain. And the heavenly host and the angels begin to have contact and spiritual interaction with our world immediately in the Bible. Let me show you where it's at. It's in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they sinned. Then God drove them out of the garden. Now, when he did that, he took cherubim and he put them at the entrance of the garden to guard the tree of life. Now, understand with me. He's not really guarding the tree of life. He's keeping Adam and Eve from getting to the tree of life. Because now they're in sin, and they have a sin nature. And if they eat of the tree of life, then they're going to be eternally in that condition. How many of you know God does not want you to be in the condition of sin? So he's guarding the garden, guarding the tree of life, and the cherubim come down, and they guard that tree. So immediately, when humankind is on the earth, there's an encounter with the supernatural. About 300 times, the heavenly host, the angels are mentioned, And we have this interaction, and I believe that interaction is still going on today. Does anybody believe that here? I've had things happen in my life I can't explain. Let me tell you one. I'm going to just share some things with you. Years ago, and most of you know, a couple of times I went to uh, Chiapas, Mexico, which is the, 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 the state that's the bottom of Mexico, borders Guatemala, to do pastor's conference and minister to churches. So the first time I went, 
I'm supposed to meet Dr. Dale Yurton there in Mexico City in the airport. We're going to catch another plane, fly to Tuxla Gutierrez, and we're going to go to Chiapas. So I fly in. I don't know if you've ever been to Mexico City Airport. It's huge, very big. Mexico City is one of the largest uh, cities in the world. There's over 11 million people in that region. So I'm there. I don't speak English. Taco burrito. <laughs> and uh, so I, I get there in the airport, and I'm already late, delayed flight. I have to go through customs, have my luggage, got to get my luggage, go through customs. When I get to customs, it's a huge, huge area, uh, much bigger than this area, and there's hundreds of people there, people flying back to Mexico, people like me that's coming into Mexico that's uh, not Mexican citizens, but everybody's got to go through customs. And these huge lines, I mean, just zigzagged everywhere. And I'm already kind of a little unnerved because I, I don't speak the, the language. Uh, I've got to catch another flight. I've got to meet Dr. Dale Yurton there. And so I, I'm kind of a little panicky on the inside. Have you ever get, got that way? And it looks like I'm not going to make it because there's so many people there I'm not going to get through. Then all of a sudden, one of the officials come up to me and said, sir, we're going to start another line. Would you come over here to the, the, to, the, uh, to the desk and just go ahead and check in? And I said, I believe I will. <laughs> so he takes me over there. I, I check in, get my luggage checked. I go through customs, get my passport stamp. I, I get to Dr. Yurton. We, we have to get another flight to go on. He said, man, you were almost late. And I said, you don't know how much late I was almost late because things like that happen. Then I, I, I heard another account similar to this. Dr. Ken Cooper, who's from Texas, he flew to uh, Africa, and he's in South Africa, gets his passport stamped. Then he's trying to get into Tanzania, but because it was stamped in South Africa, they won't let him in Tanzania. And he's with some people there, and one of them said, well, if we bribe the guard, he'll let us in the country. And that's what some of them did. So he gets into Tanzania. And then he leaves by himself to go to Kenya, to Nairobi, Africa, to fly back home. But when he gets to the airport, he realizes, I'm here illegally because I have a passport that hasn't been stamped in Tanzania, and it's not stamped in Kenya, so they're probably not going to let me leave. So he says, I'm in line to go through customs, and a lady dressed in white comes up to me and says, Dr. Cooper, we've been expecting you. Please let me have your passport. And he gives her the passport. She leads him to the custom desk and says to the officer, would you please stamp this passport, which they did. He turned to thank her and she was gone. I believe in angels. I believe in the supernatural. I believe God is a supernatural God that does things that you and I cannot fully understand, but yet it's real. So, I want you to think with me in your life, have you ever had one of those experiences that something happened and you didn't realize why it happened and how it happened? Well, it's actually, you know, talked about in the Bible. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some of you have entertained angels unaware that you may have had angels unaware in your life and you didn't know it. Hebrews 12, 22, you've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. How many angels are there? We have no idea. But in the Bible, it says there's thousands times 10,000s, thousands times 10,000s, 
And the Greek word is myriads of angels, which means we can't count how many angels there are. It's kind of a Hebrewism. There's a gazillion angels out there, right? So a third part of them failed. They became demons and devils. We know that. But this innumerable company, two-thirds are still here. They're with us. Matter of fact, I believe there's angels right here in this auditorium. Anybody believe that? Let me tell you why I know it. Because you brought them here with you. And since we know there are angels here, why do we need to know this doctrine or this biblical stance about angels? Because I think it's very important for you personally and for us corporately. Let me give you some characteristics about angels. Uh, just, just listen. Angels are a class of created beings created by God. Angels are never represented as spiritually progressed humans, which means you don't go to heaven and become an angel, Right? I know one guy said, my wife's an angel. She's always up in the air harping about something, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> so, you know, angels are, are not human and humans don't become angels. They're a whole nother created class beyond the world that we know. The angels of God never appear as animals or birds. Angels have intelligence. They're observing rational beings. They communicate in their own way, and it appears they have their own language and languages. You say, well, why would you say that? Well, Paul in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, he says, though we speak with the tongues of men and angels. So did you think angels spoke English all the time? Uh, maybe when you get to heaven, they say, buenos dias. No, I'm not for sure. But they, they have their own language. Uh, they have emotions, they have wills, they're ministering spirits, angels minister to people and to God, they bring and deliver messages, angels fight for, deliver people from danger, angels can execute the judgment and wrath of God, angels can be dispatched to answer prayers, angels can appear to be human, and we can be unaware of their true identity and their purpose. And there, there's a lot of characteristics about angels, but I want to just focus on four aspects today. Everybody say four. So just four, and, and follow along with me, I want to talk about the worshipers, the witnesses, the watchers, and the warriors. So let's take the first one, the worshipers. Angels are worshipers. And we know that from the Word of God. So in Revelation chapter 4, verse number 8, listen as I read. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So picture in your mind these created beings, glorious in appearance, are above the throne and around the throne and continually, day and night, and there is no day and night in heaven, it's one eternal day, right? And continually they cry out what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, this same scenario is seen by somebody else. Not just John, but Isaiah sees this. Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. And so verse 2, he says, And above him, above God, stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. Two, he covered his faith his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew, and with one, and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So you know what's going on in heaven right now? A whole lot of worship. A whole lot of worship is going on in heaven right now. Now, think about this. 
If you're at church this morning, well, I just don't like worship. You won't like heaven. Everybody all right? Because you know what's going to go on in heaven? A whole lot of worship. The seraphim are crying out around the throne of God, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. Now, the Lord is many things. They could say grace, 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 mercy, 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 truth, truth, truth. He's all those things. But let me tell you what they're saying. God is pure. He is holy. There is nothing in him that is wrong. He is the thrice holy God. And that's who we worship. Now, this continues to go on. I mean, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6, you alone are the Lord, you've made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that's on it, the seas and all that's in them. You give life to all of them and the heavenly host bows down before you. So all of the heavenly hosts, guess what they're doing? They're bowing before God, they're worshiping God, they're praising God. You know what they're doing? They're doing what we should be doing, worshiping God. Now, most of you know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's going on in heaven? A whole lot of worship. Guess what should be going on the earth? A whole lot of worship. You know, some of us just need to get in step with the spiritual realm. Because they're showing us the pattern. They're worshiping in heaven. They're glorifying God in heaven. So therefore, what should we be doing? Very same thing. We should be worshiping God. So they're worshipers. They're also witnesses. What do you mean, pastor, witnesses? Well, Luke chapter 1, we have an account, and let me set it up, a priest by the name of Zacharias. Zacharias is married to Elizabeth. They're older, they don't have children. And all of a sudden, when it's his turn to minister, they, they ministered by course, you know, one's on duty for a while, then off for a while, then on for a while. So Zacharias is at the temple by the altar of incense, and while he's offering the incense, boom, he sees an angel standing by the altar. Let's pick it up. Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? Now, what did the angel say? You and Elizabeth are going to have a son. And Zacharias said, get out of here. We're old. I'm old. Elizabeth's old. How many of you know this is kind of a theme in the Bible? Old people having babies. How can this be? What, what are you saying? How shall I know this? For I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him and said, I love this, I'm Gabriel. That's how I know it. I'm not your run-of-the-mill flunky angel here. I'm Gabriel. That's how I know this. I love this. Listen to what he says. I stand in the presence of God. And it's kind of like this. Dude. You don't know who I am. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God all the time. That's how I know that you and Elizabeth are going to have a baby. 
And then they have what? A baby, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So he is the one who's preparing the way. He's making the way for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. I'm witnessing to you what's about to come down at your house. I'm witnessing to you what's gonna happen in your life. You see, angels witness. They share the message. And then Gabriel, guess who he goes to? Then he goes to Mary. He tells Mary, you're gonna be with child. Then he has to go to Joseph, figure that. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. I know she's pregnant, but it's cool, dude. So Gabriel, what's he doing? He's going around, he's witnessing, okay, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, and you need to know this. And he's the messenger, right? Do you know when Jesus was in the uh, wilderness being tempted, you know who showed up? Angels. When he resurrects from the dead, do you know who is there in the garden at the tomb? Angels are there. Matter of fact, one angel rolls away the stone. And when the women get there early in the morning, guess who's sitting on the stone? The angel. The angel said, he's not here. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's risen. What's the angel doing? Witnessing the resurrection. Then a few days later, when Jesus is going to ascend to heaven, you remember that, Acts 1? And he's talking to the disciples, and he shares with them some things. He said, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. You're going to have power. And all of a sudden, the Bible says he began to ascend to heaven. Gravity lost hold of him. How would you like to be standing with Jesus? And all of a sudden, gravity lose hold of him. He just begins to float up off the ground. My jaw would be somewhere about here. And you would be transfixed. I mean, here he is. He's floating off the earth, and he's going up into the clouds, and they're watching him all the way. And all of a sudden, the clouds receive him out of their sight. He's in the clouds. They can't see him anymore. Then when they direct their attention back to the earth, there's two, two people standing with them that wasn't there before. You know who they were? They were angels. And the angels speak to the disciples, said, you men of Galilee, why standing ye here gazing this same Jesus that you've seen go shall come again in like manner. They're witnessing not only the resurrection, they're witnessing the, the, the ascension and witnessing he will come back to this earth. Wow, that's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. The angels are witnessing that. They're also watchers. How many of you believe angels watch over you? How many of you need angels watching over you? Look at the person next to you. Goodness gracious, they need some help. <laughs> Psalm chapter 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. According to that verse, the angels camp around you. According to that verse, the angels camp around you. That wherever you go, there are angels that have charge over you. Psalm 91, verse 11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. Does anybody here believe in guardian angels? Okay, why would we believe that? Because the Bible tells us that. 
Remember when the little kids are coming to Jesus and the disciples are saying, oh, not cool, stay away. You know, there's a Tootsie Pop stuck to his toga here. Um, so Jesus said, no, wait, don't, don't, don't do that. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. Then he would go on to say, he said, be careful what you do to one of these little ones. For I tell you, that their angels doth always behold the face of the Father. You know what he's saying? These children have angels with them and watching them. There are angels guarding them. There are angels camping around you. There are angels that are watching you. They are there to watch our lives and guard our lives. Some of you need more than one. So I believe that because that's what the Bible says. But the angels are also warriors. They're, they're not just worshipers and watchers. They're also warriors. Peter says this in 2 Peter. He says, angels are much more power, powerful than us earthlings. He says, they're greater in power and in might. And certainly that's true. So we're limited in what we can do, but how many of you know they're invested with power we don't have? Did you know that a single angel went down to the Assyrian army camp one night and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And that's amazing. One angel went down to the camp, killed 185,000 soldiers. Now, Pastor, what's, what's all that about? Well, you have to back up a step. The Assyrians are coming conquering nation after nation, city after city, and they come to Jerusalem. And they think, Jerusalem's like every other city. And they even say this, our gods are greater than your God. And I would say, me no think so. <laughs> our gods are greater than your God. And so, they actually send a letter to the king and the king takes it to the altar and says, God, this is what they're saying. They're saying they're going to capture us and take the city and, and take the country. And God answers. And this is what God says. He said, they're not going to leave the same way they came. He said, they're not going to shoot one arrow into this city. They're not going to breach one gate to this city. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out, killed 185,000 of their soldiers. And when they woke up the next morning, most of their men are dead. You know what you say? Let's go home. Let me tell you why. Because our God is the only God and he's not like any other little G gods. He is God Almighty. Can I hear an amen? Come on now. So we have warring angels. They are warriors. Not only did one angel kill 185,000 Assyrians, when David did something he shouldn't have done and numbered Israel, the Bible says one angel went out and killed 70,000 men throughout the country. It's an amazing story. And do you remember when Jesus is arrested in Gethsemane the night before the crucifixion? And when they come out to arrest Jesus, Peter, everybody say Peter, what a guy. Peter's gonna defend Jesus. He has a sword. So this, this multitude's coming out to arrest Jesus and Peter pulls out a sword and he strikes at one of the servants, a guy by the name of Malchus, and he cuts his ear off. 
How many of you believe with me he wasn't aiming for his ear? I think he was wanting to bust his head wide open. Peter. And the Lord said, Peter, put up your sword. And Jesus reaches down, picks the guy's ear up off the ground and reattaches it to his head. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd been in that multitude, I'd said, whoa, something's up here, buddy. Who are we arresting? But this is what Jesus said. He said, if I wanted to, I could call the legions of heaven, talking about angels, to come down and fight for me. He said, do you not think that I can now pray to my father and he will provide me more than 12 legions of angels? Now that's found in Matthew chapter 26. You know what that is saying? I could ask for between six 60,000 and 80,000 angels to come to my rescue. If one angel could kill 185,000 people, what would 80,000 angels do? It's amazing. And Jesus said, the angels would come fight for me. This is not the, the deal. The deal is I'm here for a purpose. I, I've got something I've got to do. So, so Peter, come on. If, if there's going to be a war, I can call the warriors in. I can call the angels in if I need to. Do you know at the end of your Bible, the fate of Satan? When I read this, I kind of get excited. I'm kind of one of these guys who like to watch movies when bad guys get it. Does anybody like that here? The equalizer. Y'all are so holy. You've never seen that movie, have you? And, and I kind of like that. So, you know, you get the back of the book, you're in Revelation, and it's time for Satan to be judged, and he's already judged, but it's time for his fate. You know, he's going to be cast in the lake of fire. And, and God doesn't say, okay, let, let's round up, you know, half the angels, see if we can get him. This is not in the Bible. You know what's in your Bible? God just looks over to his left from the throne and says, hey, Bubba Angel, go get him. Now look at it. One angel, unnamed, goes and finds Satan, grabs him by the scuff of the collar, and slam dunks him in the pit in the lake of fire. That's all it took. One angel took him, boom, Satan's gone. That's the power of angelic beings. They're warriors. But guess what they're doing? They're sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. Guess who that is? That's you. That's you. You're an heir of salvation. And the Bible says there's a spiritual realm with heavenly hosts, angels, all types that are there to minister to, ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. Let me tell you one last story. Look at me just for a second. This is not in the Bible. This was told to me by someone who had a vision. And it stuck with me. In this vision, they said... As they walked and went about their day, there was a group of angels that surrounded them. Just what the Bible says. We're encamped around by angels. And they said something happened in their life. They began to have something in their life they shouldn't have. Anybody here ever done something you shouldn't do? Say something you shouldn't say? You know, begin to do something that wasn't good for you? And they said, I, I began to do something that I shouldn't be doing. And it's like this thing came into this inner circle where the angels were. The angels didn't leave, they were still with me. But you could see the disdain on their face 
that I allowed this thing to come into the inner circle close to me. And finally, when I kind of got a grip of where I was going with this and what was happening to me and what it was doing to me, I began to repent and ask God to help me. I'm, I'm sorry that I got into this. I'm sorry that I, I began to allow this to happen to me. And when I repented and asked God for help, one of those angels reaped in, reached into the inner circle, got that thing, and threw it out of my circle. And I thought, what imagery? What imagery was that? That they could see that in this vision of, of maybe how the, the spiritual realm is. And sometimes in my life, I need help. Sometimes in your life, you need help. Sometimes I've allowed things to come in that maybe I need help getting them out. And if you're a believer, if you're an heir of salvation, guess what? You are not alone. And maybe I've just come to tell you this. Whatever you face, whatever storm you're in, you will never go through it alone. You will never, ever go through it alone because this is what I know. There are times in my life I felt like I felt like I don't know if I'm gonna get through this. I don't know if everybody understands where I'm at. I feel really alone. Has anybody ever felt that way? But let me tell you something. According to the word of God, you are never, ever alone. There's always God's forces with you. You are never, ever alone. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.